0: And so now, <laughs> without further ado, it's a privilege to welcome Fount up here, to be able to share with you this morning. Fount,
1: uh, do, you, do you
0: want to stand? Okay. <laughs> I'm not going to lean on it, so I think... You, you might want to use the other wow.
1: one right over here. Use That's the sure metal one. Use the, the metal one, okay. Sturdy. Hallelujah. When uh, Mark and Jane first asked me to begin to teach their desires once a month, uh, and I've been doing that, I chose the topic of the Shekinah glory, not because I know anything about it, but teaching Bible on university campuses and college campuses some little Bible colleges and at churches, etc., cetera, etc., cetera, for a hundred years or less. <laughs> I saw the Shekinah, but I never had time to pursue it and put together uh, an understanding of it so I could share with others. So I really rejoice that now I, now that I'm retired from a college campus. I have the time to study some things I never had time for before. And you guys get to hear it first. Yay! (laughs) I knew that was coming, that's good. Okay, Uh, first of all, as a Bible teacher I have Well, at first I probably did, but I uh, other than at first I have never been interested in imparting information about the Bible, or imparting information about God or Jesus, etc. My interest is to teach and model how do you approach the text. And if nothing else happens today, and you learn something about how to open this and look, then I have accomplished what I sense God gave me for you. Now in that, there is a message, but my goal is to show you how to look at this text. Shekinah Glory. You know, the Bible, God did not write the Bible, Okay, Where are the stones? Men wrote the Bible about God. How did they learn about God? God came to them and showed himself to them. And they recorded what they saw, what they heard, what they personally experienced and their expectation of what God might do next. All right, so as we look at the Bible, I want us to look specifically for something with reference to what uh, the Jewish people call the Shekinah glory of God. And that refers basically to that Uh, beginning with the pillar of fire and the the cloud that came down upon Mount Sinai and then later in the tabernacle that was so heavy a presence of the Lord that the priests could not stand. I mean, it just pressed them down. And even Moses, who had talked with God face to face on the mountain, could not enter that place because the presence was so heavy. Now it's that presence that they were, and this is later during the intertestamental period while they were in Babylon, they began to uh, talk about Shekinah because they saw that as God's presence with them when they were away. The temple had been destroyed, so God does no longer have a home here on earth but his home is with the people wherever they go. Okay, now that's very brief, but just think briefly about the glory of God that came upon the tabernacle in the book of Exodus, chapter 40, and the presence was so heavy that even Moses, who had spoken face to face, could not enter. And I have a question for you to just think about. Actually, I want you to imagine. Imagine the Shekinah asking God, what do you want me to do next? See, we generally think of something like the Holy Spirit or the Shekinah or something like that. This powerful force. But what if Jesus showed us, showed us something about the Shekinah when he lived his life as the Shekinah of God in the flesh? Suppose he showed us something about the Shekinah. Father, what do you want me to do? What word do you have me for today? Or something that's already been quoted this morning, The uh, the bread, my daily bread. We sing about it. Your very word. Spoken personally to me. That's my bread. And sideline here, how do you eat this bread? Some people think you eat the bread by reading the text and memorizing. No, that's getting the bread. How do you eat it? My food, Jesus said, my bread, is to do. How do you eat the word? You do what he tells you to do. And that's something a lot of people miss. And I'm going somewhere this morning, but it's going to take me a while to get there. Uh, So imagine the Shekinah glory of God. Okay, Father, I'm here. What do you want me to do next? Okay, rise up and go forward. And as he rises up, the camp begins to follow the Shekinah glory. Okay, you've got that picture. Now that is the case in the life of Jesus. It is the case that he never moved forward and he never said a word that his father did not give him. He did only what he saw his father doing. And he spoke only what he heard his father speaking. And that is the way he has challenged us to live our life. Now, there is a big mystery here. Incidentally, the word mystery, it's not like a mystery novel where you go read the end of the book and you find out what happened. That is not the biblical word mystery. That's our modern concept of mystery. The mystery here is something you simply cannot know unless someone shows you. You cannot discover the mystery of God by effort. By what you do, by what you study, uh, and I can testify personally, studying, the history, studying the culture, studying the languages does not put you any better off in understanding the mystery than some who have never studied the languages who just meet God while they're reading the scriptures. The mystery cannot be known apart from the Personal, a personal revelation. Now, revelation is a showing and a seeing. There's two sides to revelation. If someone shows something and no one sees it, no revelation has occurred. And if someone sees something that God didn't show, no revelation has occurred. It takes two things, a showing and a seeing. Now I'm gonna apply this, and and as I said earlier, my my major purpose here uh, is to use the teaching itself to help you to understand how to open the book and look for something that's not on the page. Where is it? It's in the unseen world, okay. So, an experience of showing and seeing. Now, in this, someone shows something. There's a person, there's an event showing, and there's a something, that which is shown. So, someone shows something very specific. Revelation is not general, now I understand the whole universe. No, that's not revelation. Revelation is where God comes to you, open your eyes to see something. And when you see it, revelation has happened. It's an event. Okay. So there's a seeing. There is a showing by someone. There is also a seeing by someone. If no one sees, there's no revelation as we said. So what is being showed? Now What is being showed in Revelation is something that Paul speaks of the the seen and the unseen, the visible and the invisible. Now everyone knows about uh, about the visible. That's what is taught in our public schools from a perspective that is not biblical, but that's what you see in the natural. But this is showing something that is beyond the natural, and we're going to get somewhere in just a moment, and uh, I think it's going to be an awesome thing when you see what God is showing this morning. So the one who is being shown, that's me if God is showing me something, strives to find a way to tell someone else what he saw. Paul himself talked about this difficulty. There are some things you see that are hard to explain to other people. As a matter of fact, some of the things, I can't even talk about it, Paul said. And in in the book of Hebrews, uh, he also talks about, you just can't say that in, in, uh, in English. You can't say that in Greek. You can't say it in Hebrew. You can't even say it in tongues. You can't say it. Something has to happen, okay. So the seer, so we have a shower and a seer. The seer, and we're assuming that what he saw was something the Lord was showing. The seer translates his or her impression of what they saw. In other words, there has to be an interpretation. Now, if it's written in the Bible, I assume the interpretation comes by the Holy Spirit. I'm okay with that. Even though some of the things are very difficult for us with our minds to figure out. I don't know if any of you have ever read scriptures that I don't know about that. That looked weird to me. Yeah, it gets weirder when you know the original languages. Okay. So the thing itself cannot be contained in language. God is not the words I'm speaking. He may be in the words I'm speaking, but he's hidden in the words. And something has, you say, I have received a revelation. He showed, I saw, now I'm trying to impart that. And in the words I'm using, he is in there, but he's hidden. You need a personal revelation to hear what I'm saying. Does that make some sense? Now, the same thing is true with the people who wrote the Bible. And now we're going to get to some Bible verses. And the question is, and we'll just start with Genesis. Start at the beginning. That's always a good thing to do. Start at, start at the very beginning. Yes. Now, just join me for a moment. Whoever, and we're not going to get into the whole question of who wrote the book of Genesis. I mean, that, that would just take us afield. Uh, whoever wrote this was asking himself and the Lord a question. Where did all this come You know, how did it come about that we're here and we know you're here? What's the history of all of this? And while he was asking God showed him what we have written uh, in chapter one through actually chapter two, verse three of the book of Revelation. I'm sorry, book of Genesis. You know, Genesis, who cares? Whichever one you want. (laughs) Okay, so I wanna notice something about this and we're gonna start with the sixth day which is uh, at the end of chapter one. I'll just say in passing, don't pay a lot of attention to the big numbers. The two is not in the original. So this is all one thing from chapter one, the beginning, into chapter three. That's a section. Ignore the two. So the sixth day, and we all know about the sixth day. Who was created who? (laughs) <laughs> what was created on the sixth day? Man. You and me. Girls and boys. Men and women. Community. Okay. In verse 31, God saw. What is God looking at? God saw material things that he had made. He saw stars, he saw water, he saw fish, he saw animals and and birds, he saw, and he also saw man. Now, many people read this text, and when he says he saw, uh, and it was very good, the very good was man and woman. Well, that's true, but that's not what this text is talking about. What is he calling very good? God saw everything that he had made and behold. Now the word behold means, I want you to look at it. I saw it, now I want you to see it. Behold, it was very good. Now the word good does not mean morally good. It means functionally good. It it is capable of doing what it is designed to do. So what is the design of all of the creation? Why is it good? It is good because it has the capacity to make God known to the creatures he created specifically to know him. The heavens declare the glory of God. There is no voice. There's no sound, there's no words, but the revelation is there. And stuff, and things, material things, but you have to have eyes to see. Okay, you following me so far? Are are we okay? I hope this is not, well, I'm not gonna do that, okay. Uh, So the seer, whoever saw this, translated what they saw into the Hebrew language and made this statement, God saw everything he had made, and behold, it was very good. And there was evening, and there was morning, the sixth day. Every day, then there was evening, then there was morning, the first day. Second day, then there was evening, then there was morning. Every day, then there was evening, then there was morning. Now, thus, chapter 2, in this way, referring to all of chapter 1, in this way, the heavens and the earth were finished. And all the hosts of them. And on the seventh day, God finished his work that he had done. And he rested on the seventh day from all his work, the work that he had done. So God blessed the seventh day. Imagine God blessing time, the seventh day. Now, the reason I came here is in the next phrase. He blessed the seventh day And made it holy because on it he rested from all the work he had done in creation. And what I want to notice is there is no evening. (laughs) This is the only day that does not have an end. It's there. Never, I've never seen it before. Now, what I'm modeling is, if you keep looking and looking and looking, eventually something's going to pop out at wow, you. That's so good. There is no evening, which means today, time, the time we live in, the now is still that day. The book of Hebrews says it this way, as long as it is called today, the rest is available. Sabbath rest is available on what day? Today. When is today? <laughs> well, today. Is it Sunday? Yes. Is it Monday? No. No, not yet. It's today. Now, there will be a 24-hour period, day, Monday, Tuesday, that continues. But every day that is called today, not the day that is called Monday, not the day that is called Tuesday, not the day that is called Christmas or Advent, not the day that is called Easter. If it's called today, rest for the people of God is available, okay? So now, I want to go to the next step. In order to get her into this, uh, the audience, okay? There's the revelation, there's the shower, and what is shown, there is the seer, the one who sees and wants to show what he has seen, but he has to translate it into a language and the only language that the unseen world, the only language can even talk about the un- unseen world is the language that we call metaphor. You see the kingdom of God is not a king who throws a banquet. It is like a king It's not a man sowing seed in his field. It's like a man sowing the seed in the field. So it's a metaphor, it's a picture. What is the picture trying to show? And we see that word again, okay. There is a poetic structure, and I don't want to go into it, of chapter one, literally. It follow the whole thing follows the pattern of Hebrew poetry. Now some people have struggled that I would call this a creation poem. The fact that they struggle with it does not change the fact that it is a poem. Now if the fact that it's a poem bothers you, then there are several psalms you're going to have to reject. And I just want to turn to one, then we're going to turn to uh, to a thing in Isaiah, and we're going to move on. Psalm 33. The word of the Lord is upright, and his work is done in faithfulness. He loves righteousness and justice. That's verse, what, five? Yes. Uh, The earth is full of the steadfast love of God. Now, verse four. By the word of the Lord, the heavens were made. Now, Genesis talks about it. God said, let there be light, and there was light. That's one way of saying it. But what is it that we're saying? It's something that you can't see in the natural. By the word of the Lord, the heavens were made, and by the breath of his mouth, all their hosts. He gathers the water of the sea into a heap. Now the book of Revelation doesn't talk about the heap. Does that mean there was no heap? Does that mean that the psalmist has got it wrong? No, he's talking about it from a different perspective. Are you okay with that? Well, I didn't write it, so you have to be okay with it if you believe the Bible. I'm sorry. Okay. Now, what I want to notice from this psalm is, He gathers the water, He let all the earth fear the Lord. Let all the inhabitants of the world stand in awe of Him. And we were doing that this morning. I mean, we weren't just singing the words. We were doing it. I mean, some of us. (laughs) No, I really hope all of us. But here in verse 9, he spoke and it came to be. He commanded and it stood firm. And what I want to notice here is the creator oversees his creation. He's taking care of what he made. He didn't just make it and go back up to heaven. Actually, heaven is what he, where did God live before he made heaven? There was no heaven. Where did he live? There wasn't even a where. Yes, there was a where. The Father lived in the Son. The Son lived in the Father in the life of the Holy Spirit. And what was going on in that community, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, God the Father said, you know, what we got going on here is a good thing. Let's build something out there, outside of us, that we can share this with. Now, what is it they want to share? It's called love. Love. (laughs) yeah love love that's what he wants okay now let's go to the next actually this is Isaiah I mean I, I could have chosen a lot of different texts but Isaiah chapter 40 I love Isaiah in verse 22 it is he who sits above the circle of the earth, the circle. Now they didn't know about the earth being a globe. They did not know that. So what's the circle of the earth? Well if you're up on a very high tower, you look and there's a horizon all the way around and you are in the middle of the circle. That's their concept of the circle of the Incidentally, the earth does not mean earth the way we talk about it today, the globe. What it means is inhabitable land. Land that you can farm, land that you can uh, pasture your sheep on, land that you can use and take care of. Okay. Now there's the circle of the earth. Where is God? He is above the circle. Wherever you are, the highest point in the earth, he's up. Okay. But here's the part I want us to notice: all of its inhabitants are like grasshoppers. Uh, this author apparently had been on a high place and he noticed that people look very small when you look from this place. How many of you have noticed that if you've been on a high building? The people down there just look like ants. Okay? So when God looked, the people are like grouse hoppers. <laughs> anyway. Here's the point that I'm coming to. He stretches out the heavens like a curtain. And so I'm on a very high place and I see the circle of the earth and realize he's up there and I see what we call the heavens, the sky. And the author is saying that's like a big tent cover. And I'm in this tent And God is in this tent. What are we looking at? Shekinah. All of the earth is a tent for God to dwell with man. Just as on the seventh day he entered into time-space continuum. Got to get some scientific terms in here. He entered into the time space continuum to live with man and have man live with him. And so there it is in Isaiah, long before they discovered time space continuum. Okay. Now, next step. Our focus here is the sixth day transitioning to the day of the seven. God saw what he had made. Everything he made was very good, functionally good. And God took pleasure. He saw what he had made and he said, that's good. He likes what he made. He rejoices. He takes pleasure in what he made. Now what did he make? You. Everything. You. He takes pleasure. I put that thing together. <laughs> While you were in your mother's womb, he put you together and he said, ha. Ah. Now, what the psalmist in Psalm 139 is saying, he nipped me together in my mother's womb and all that, he's saying, He actually uses the word Lord, marvelous are your works. God, you did a good job when you made me. Yeah. And you. God did a good job. And we think, oh man, he messed up. He forgot. Whenever he was passing out this, that, or the other, you know, I was absent that day. We put down God's work as though his work is not perfect. That's because we have a false concept of perfection.
0: Yeah.
1: Okay, now, where am I in my notes? Almost done. The seer's vision was the vision of a process as well as a product. In other words, it wasn't just the produce, the earth. That's the product. Heaven, (coughs) earth, stars, fish, water for the fish, air for the birds, yeah, that, okay. Now, all of that, that's stuff. Each thing has its place in the larger system. And it is good in its place in the system. And there is a place in the system for you. And he made you for that place and he made that place for you. He made time for you a very specific time for you to live and make the mark he created you to mark. All of that is in Psalm 139, which we're not gonna go there. Then there was evening, then there was morning, but there was no evening on this day. So, what was the author of the the, uh, first creation story? What had he seen? He had seen that God saw and delighted in what he made. He also saw, by leaving out the evening and the morning of the seventh day, he saw that what God's intention in all of the history is man and God together in a place at a time. So he's got the place, well that is made. I am going away to prepare a place for you. For you. I'm going away to prepare a place for you, Kathy. I'm going away to prepare a place for RJ. I remembered his name. (laughs) For Laura. A place. He prepared the place that's what the first story of Genesis is all about. He prepared a place for you and he prepared you for the place. The second story is uh, basically, now, take care of the place. Now, we read that, take dominion, go use it to make things look good for yourself. We are ruining God's creation by exploiting it rather than caring for Yeah. So he prepared a place for us and he put us in that place and said, take care of the place. So what is the author showing? And I'm going to ask this and give you a moment. In what we have been saying this morning and what I sense that the author here is saying, what do you see? What do you see beyond the surface? I see some Bible verses. Oh yeah, they're there. But what did the Bible verses show you? What did you see? Now this puts you in a position, I've got to figure out how I say this in English. You get the picture? We all live in that process that we talked about in the very beginning of seeing, interpreting, and sharing what we've seen. What just happened? Just now, what just happened? As I ask you, what did you see? What was happening in you, with you, between you and God? What? Something happened. You don't have any words to talk about it yet. But it happened. He's here. We're here. And he moves by the Spirit. Now, I'll just say that I've had several very serious experiences with the Lord. 1957, I've told this story. Liquid love filled the room where I was. And it was so real that I reached up my arms to embrace him whom my soul loves. What happened? I saw. Not with my physical eyes but I saw in the Biblical sense of seeing. Because the Biblical word for see, one of the Biblical words, is a prophetic vision, which may not be visual at all, but I guarantee you it was more real than anything you see visibly. So what happened? Well, whatever it was that happened, it deposited something in me that has gone with me every day of my life since that time to this. And it keeps, it's not growing. It is what it always was. But I am seeing it more clearly, more clearly, more clearly. And what is it I'm seeing? Him with me together here and now. What would it be like to live your life in that? Well, the truth is, you're already doing it. Some more successfully than others, that's not true. You're all doing it. You're just at different points on the road from glory to glory to glory, from faith to faith to faith. We're all on the road. The issue is, There is a process, not just a product. Jesus came to me. He lives in my heart. you want to see Jesus? Right there. (laughs) It's a process. So, he sits above the circle and stretches out the tent to dwell in. Where is he, right now? Right here. Where's here? Oh, is he limited to that? No. no. Where is he? Everywhere. Yeah. He's here. He's in the atmosphere, the very breath we breathe, yes. the very air we breathe. Now, Just take a breath. What did you just take into your lungs? God. (sighs) Wait. (laughs) I loved, and I don't remember who said it, (coughs) maybe (coughs) Chris, in the introduction, the early part, Maybe it was even in the prayer room. Meet us where we are, was the prayer. Meet us where we are. And I'm going to close with this. You don't have to go to him. He comes to you. So that gets rid of the work salvation. However, when he comes to you, he's got something for you to do? Find out what that is? So Chris, are you the one that takes over when I'm done? Or is it someone else? Yeah, I never know what's going on. I'm not paid to know what's going on. God bless you. Hey, thank you, brother.
0: And I'd say on that note, You know, this is a a family church, and we want to be able to partner with you, even though there's visitors here. Because you're here, you're part of the family, and we want to be able to end um, just providing the opportunity to even just be able to pray and speak a blessing over you, or even just just ask that question together of what it is that God may be bringing to the surface in your life for today, for now, for this moment. And so know that um, we'll have some folks up here to pray with you. I would love that opportunity um, but for the rest of you have a blessed week and enjoy uh, the rest of this this time
1: and as you go and talk with one another understand he is in your talk, talk. y'all
0: have a great week